Welcome to the next edition of Fixed Interest, where we will be discussing Peru. My name is Shelley Shetty, and I'm Managing Director in the America's Sovereign Team. I'm happy to be joined by Kelly Bissett-Tom, Director and Primary Analyst for Peru. Just by background, we recently downgraded Peru's local currency rating by one notch from A- to triple B+, and equalized it with its foreign currency rating. We also affirmed the foreign currency rating at triple B+, with stable outlook. Peru is one of the few sovereigns in Latin America whose ratings have been resilient in recent years to both the commodity price and natural disaster-related shocks. Peru's stable outlook stands out in Latin America as currently the majority of the sovereigns in the region have negative outlook. So Kelly, can you discuss the main rationale behind our recent decision to downgrade Peru's local currency rating by one notch? Thank you, Shelley. It's a pleasure to be here. Peru's government balance sheet shows moderate erosion as a result of both six years of counter-cyclical fiscal policy to address copper and natural disaster shocks, as well as now the coronavirus response. We expect debt to rise to at least 31% of GDP in 2020, up from 19% of GDP in 2013 at our last upgrade. And the fiscal stabilization fund will be depleted this year. This gradual balance sheet shift and Peru's other public finance metrics in line with the triple B median signal to us that public finances are not quite as substantial as strength relative to category peers. On the other hand, Peru's strong external finances remain quite robust. Our criteria requires strong public finances relative to external finances to apply this notch of uplift. And due to these trends, we've determined this is no longer the case. Further, we see more blurring of local and foreign currency risk at investment grade globally as non-resident participation in local capital markets has risen. Peru's is near 50%. In line with our criteria, we expect more permanent equalization of the ratings. So Kelly, why the stable outlook? It may seem odd to maintain a stable outlook while the country experiences a steep recession, but we think Peru has supporting credit strengths that underpin the stable outlook. We expect at this juncture that Peru's public finances will come through the coronavirus pandemic still in comparatively good shape. Peru's government debt remains well below the triple B median and its debt service and market terms are sustainable. Peru has a track record of fiscal policy credibility with notable debt reduction during 2003 to 2013. And we think public consensus still supports long-term debt returning to the previous debt ceiling level near 30% of GDP although that was waived near-term for crisis purposes. The 2020 economic downturn will indeed be severe. We aim to rate through the cycle, and we think Peru's real economy will exit the pandemic less gave than perhaps some others. Macro stability and monetary policy credibility remain intact in key rating strengths. As well, external finances will see limited deterioration despite the temporary closure of mines. The current account deficit has some automatic stabilizers, for instance, from mining and is well financed by FDI. We foresee very limited current account deficit deterioration in 2020. Peru remains a net external creditor, and the central bank retains a large international reserve buffer of more than $70 billion, now augmented by an $11 billion precautionary IMF flexible credit line that hedges exchange rate sensitivity to portfolio capital flows. Kelly, let's discuss a bit about the economy and how the pandemic is evolving in Peru. Do you think that Peru is well-placed to recover next year? 
Shall we expect a severe economic contraction of at least 5.5% in 2020? In response to Peru's steep early COVID mortality curve, the government adopted strict temporary lockdown measures between mid-March and the end of May that barred even food delivery and shut down large mines. This contrasts with neighboring Chile and Colombia, which also have high labor informality. Um, in the case of Peru, it's 72%. But we expect a lesser degree of contraction in neighboring economies because their shutdown measures, at least at this early stage, haven't been as extensive. That said, for Peru, we see reason for optimism for, for Peru's private sector-driven economy, although it will be slow. More effective measures on the policy front seem underway to address the, the coronavirus curve uh, with targeted shutdown measures and other restrictions and expansive testing as well. We see key parts of the economy, including these large copper mines and export industries, such as agriculture and fishing, quickly rebounding. They're opening now in phases, lifting investment and confidence and spilling over to other areas. China's recovery and copper prices are also supportive for the near term. The monetary response has been significant. The central bank cut the policy rate 200 basis points to just above zero, and it has already dispersed about half of its 8% of GDP reactive liquidity program to support businesses and supply chains. As well, the government is making cash transfers to vulnerable households, providing wage subsidies and tax deferrals that we expect will help smooth the impact for households and especially businesses. We also anticipate some government investment stimulus either in late 2020 or 2021 in our forecast, which is outside more pessimistic growth forecasts. Now let's get back to public finances for a moment. Uh, given the support package and possible revenue losses, what are the risks to public finances and debt this year and next? And over the medium term, how is Peru financing these higher deficits? Shelley, we expect at this stage, the fiscal response and cyclical revenue losses to lead to a 7% of GDP deficit in 2020. We expect recovery to contain the deficit near 3.5% of GDP in 2021. Peru has a track record of fiscal policy credibility supported by debt reduction, asset accumulation in the fiscal stabilization fund and other deposits, as well as adherence to its, its fiscal rules, especially the debt ceiling at 30% of GDP. However, it now has fewer liquid deposits to use. Deficits will be financed um, as a result with a larger share of debt, and there are open questions on the policy front. When Peru's government debt-to-GDP ratio will stabilize is unclear at this stage. In December, the government announced plans to use under-executed budget resources to sustain capital spending in 2021 through 2023, delaying deficit reduction, but ensuring a smoothing of economic adjustments and providing a degree of stimulus for the economy. This is a key factor for Peru. Peru's lower economic growth potential has fallen since 2016, and it makes the fiscal consolidation question harder over the next two to three years. Of course, the next administration will set its own economic policy as it comes into office in mid-2021, but we think they will face more pressure for stimulus given economic reasons. This is a bigger test of fiscal policy credibility for Peru and the next government. And now, Kerry, let's shift our focus to the political environment. Peru has clearly seen its fair share of political volatility in recent years and is heading towards presidential and congressional elections next April. While still quite early, what is your baseline expectation regarding the election cycle and policy continuity afterwards? Shelley, we expect macro policy continuity that's based on Peru's strong macro policy institutions, specifically a rules-based fiscal framework, debt target, and credible inflation targeting regime. 
Cruise institutions have a history of curbing campaign pledges as policy is implemented. We saw this in 2011, despite market volatility. Early polls also show a wide dispersion among voters' preferences and are not indicative of presidential campaign prospects at this stage. The executive congressional tensions eased following the congressional elections in January. President Descartes' political reform agenda, though, is on hold as policymakers focus on the health crisis and Congress initiates perhaps some more election-focused initiatives before the April 2021 elections. Finally, before we end, Kelly, what will be the main future rating drivers for Peru's ratings? Uh, What will be the key risks that you'll be focused on? We will focus on Peru's economic recovery and growth prospects, the pace of fiscal consolidation and government debt stabilization, as well as any policy reforms such as tax or other fiscal reforms that aid fiscal consolidation and productivity reforms that would boost Peru's medium-term growth prospects above its current 3.5 estimated rate, which has fallen over the last decade as mining investment moderated. The next government's plan and assessment of their capacity to deliver on their baseline expectations will also be important. Thanks a lot, Kelly, for your insights. Thank you for listening. And for more on Peru, you can access our research on our website, fitchratings.com. Hope you will join us in the next Fixed Interest podcast. Thank you.